0: I'm Richa, and you're listening to AWA. In today's episode, I have the wonderful Ramona Rye with me. Hi, Ramona!
1: Hi, Rachel, thanks for having
0: me. No, thank you so much for talking to me today. So for the listeners, Ramona studied pharmacy in King's College, London. Um, she then went on to work as a pharmacist after graduating and has recently steered into the world of consultancy. Ramona never fails to amaze me. Um, honestly, she gives 110% in every project she's involved in and is also very much involved in the Nepali society. Uh, she co-founded Hammer Insight, which is a platform inclusive of all dialogues, topics, and issues in the perspective of the UK Nepali community. So again, hi Ramona.
1: Hi Richard and the listeners and I am baffled by the introduction. Wow, what a way to start it off. Thank you so much and I have to say vice versa right there because Richard also is very very inspiring. She's got loads of different platforms going so Yeah, love it.
0: Oh, thank you. I mean, honestly, though, whatever I've said is true. And I feel like, you know, you have been able to accomplish so much in since, you know, going to uni, graduating. And now, like I said, you're in the whole new world of consultancy. Um, So I want to actually begin by asking you just generally, how has your experience been working in the UK as an Asian woman in both the world of pharmacy and um, as a consultant?
1: as a woman hmm interesting so as you have mentioned i first dabbled into pharmacy because that is what i graduated with in terms of my actual degree um went through it all over there mm-hmm. and it's got a lot of different people i'd say ethnicity wise um, right. the pharmacy industry because i suppose it's those, that typical asian degree that you do that you know parents push you towards Mm -hmm. so I'd say when I first entered um, workplaces in pharmacy there was a lot of variety of people a lot of diversity Mm -hmm. in terms of the actual pharmacist itself so I worked in a community pharmacy to begin with which uh for the viewers out there is like your typical boots super drug um Retail stores. Mm-hmm. So when working there, um, and I also was tutored by a pharmacist as well for my training. So right. we had to go through that before we actually become qualified. And she was of a Indian heritage lady. Oh, um, right. She used to actually live in Dubai, and she came to um, the UK. And I know a lot of my other friends tutors were also of different heritage mm. ethnicity, um, and. In terms of the the colleagues, they were, I suppose it depends on the area that you live. So yeah. me working in Kent is predominantly a white uh, dominant community. So all mm-hmm. my colleagues, I'd say, were a white British. Mm-hmm. But the pharmacist always used to be of a different race. So right. we also have what you call local pharmacists. So I guess contractors um, is what you would call them otherwise as well, mm-hmm. who aren't contracted to our specific company, but they come in to do shifts if we have any gaps. Mm-hmm. And it would always be either somebody like a um, black British person, somebody that was Asian, um, barely any white pharmacist. That's right. right hmm so and and a lot more women as well Interestingly enough. Oh as wow! Mentioned. Um, yeah. In my uni as well, there was predominantly more white, um, more sorry, women. Right. than men, um, and I guess it's because it's one of those professions where um, it's just easier to step into in terms of having a profession afterwards. And I guess maybe as a, as women, we like to be secure and safe in that mm. sense and take less risk. Perhaps that's just a assumption that I've had.
0: Mm. Um,
1: and as you mentioned, I then diverted completely my career and went into the wonderful world of consultancy. Um, so that kind of encompasses things like project management, business change, business analyst, the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went for my interview itself, there were already more men than women. I think there was only three women, including myself. Wow. And the other seven were men. Uh, so very, very intimidating, especially when um I when men wear suits, they just look so powerful.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> and um I think just the aesthetics as well. I was like, oh wow, they look like they know their stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and um I guess my interviews were a mix of range of people though in terms of um, gender, because they wanted to showcase that they had a diverse um employee i yep. suppose but when i actually entered into my workplace um i say generally down below looking at the hierarchy of the organization it's quite diverse um mm-hmm. you do have a lot of women okay um, in those in those roles yeah but as you go higher up that hierarchy there's a lot less women and a lot less um non-white employees in Mm. those positions and then definitely our senior leadership team very very rarely any of them are women mostly white men i think there's only one or two and hot and there's no BAME people in those roles either so um I think my company is trying really hard to obviously recruit more women as well as more um, diverse Mm -hmm. employees. But I think what they struggle with is actually retaining them and Mm. pushing them into those senior position roles.
0: Interesting, right? I mean, that's such a contrast from what you started in and how you've explained the fact that you started in this world of pharmacy where you got to kind of observe a lot of um, different ethnic, you know, people from a lot of different ethnic backgrounds and also a lot of women, to an industry where, you know, it was predominantly male. And uh, I guess, like you said, it's less, uh, is more diverse, sorry, um, when you have, when you look at the junior roles. And um, I guess progressively, like, as you get to the top, it's more w- white and male dominant. So... Um, how was that switch like for you like what was it challenging
1: it was definitely different to what I'm used to and I think me being in my pharmacy role at the beginning of my career I became comfortable mm. um, surrounded by so many different diverse people a um, lot more women representation as well um, I was in my element. It mm. was um, a good environment where we all kind of understood each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and then, I guess, um, I also diverted from the community pharmacy life to a private hospital. Right. Onto on to there afterwards. Um, again, it was based in Kent, so many of my colleagues were um, mostly white, I would say, mm-hmm. as well. Um, but still, a lot of the... Um, higher Position roles were women, mm. so again, um, very, very comfortable. I feel that they were able to help me see, you know, and be inspired that hey, we can also take up these roles, we yeah. are more than capable to do so. And I think the health industry does really help that. Because yeah, I guess in a way, women are seen as being more caring and such. And I, I guess we kind of get tied to that sort of um, work environment. Mm. So th- that was really nice. And then when I moved into my current job in consultancy, um, I, I realized I do struggle a lot with um, kind of getting along with some of my male colleagues. Right. Not in terms of work itself, but in terms of the small talks, the social things, mm-hmm. they do tend to bond over really quickly over, let's say, like sports, you know, football. Right. Um, and I think once you start off on a really good social um, bonding, then it does become a bit more easier to, you know, move sure. on to having that work um, relationship as well. Mm-hmm. So I think for me. it it was a bit of a shock to begin with. Um, And I know that people do tend to do much more better when, you know, you hear from other people how well they've been doing. And I think that small talk is really, really important when you're networking, you know, Mm. being able to not just, you know, do the hard work and showcase that, but being able to kind of have that relationship on another level. Um, So it it was... um, very different and a little bit more difficult than I expected but um, I guess as I've become accustomed to the work that I'm doing Mm -hmm. it kind of just comes naturally to start trying to talk about those other topics as well. Yeah
0: I suppose you're like just naturally kind of evolving as a person and um, challenging yourself in a way from where you felt comfortable to a different environment and I suppose yeah it's almost like a growth for you um so I just want to ask you then what do you do um you know what is your role if you could just elaborate on that yeah so do you mean my current role? yes your current role so my
1: title is um junior consultant um as I said I don't come from a background of any business mm-hmm. per se so I applied for a grad scheme, um, which is to help people that have just graduated or, have, or are a graduate to mm-hmm. step into a development program to help to upskill them to eventually become a specialist consultant. Right. So with my role, I, I guess I do a lot of different things so within my company we have three different practices so there's one specifically for business change the other one is program director and the uh, the last one is um project management Mm -hmm. so we have those three different practices and as a graduate um we are able to dabble into all of those different uh, areas of the practices because I'm so, in my grad scheme I can also do other bits um, to kind of help with my development right. so I am also a I've also joined the embrace committee which is our network that includes all of the Bain employees mm-hmm. kind of pushes for diversity within our own company Nice. so that's what we call internal work so that's focusing just on um raising awareness within my organization yeah. um and i kind of helped to put together different events um whether that's talking about race talking about uh black lives matter is that maybe a month lots of different um topics mm. i can for as well so it's um it's divided between that, yeah, the client facing role as well as that internal role that I do.
0: Nice. And I don't think we've actually mentioned where you work, <laughs> to be honest. So, if you could just talk a little bit about the company or, um, so you work at Atkins, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Atkins is was originally a engineering company. So, they did a lot of building work, a lot of infrastructure um, for different in- buildings. Mm-hmm. But, and we believe it, it's only been over 50 years that they also started dabbling into the management consultancy aspect of business mm-hmm. so they provide services to clients for things such as um, ch- change transformation so that could be a change in a system within an organization we can help with that um, and also in rolling into um, project management sort of making sure that any projects that are developed, we oversee that and make sure that the outputs are correct. Mm-hmm. So um, our clients are mainly public um, organisations, so a lot of um, government departments, um, so like right. the Department for Education, um, and mainly a lot of engineering companies as well, so um, High Speed 2, um, Network Rail, Interesting. That's,
0: that's, yeah. So you, I suppose people do have the opportunity to kind of work in different um, projects uh, when, I suppose, when the time is right or when you get moved, uh, when you finish one project then you can move on to different ones. Is that how it works or do you get, do you have to choose like after your graduate, um, graduate role kind of comes to an end?
1: Yep, so with our graduate scheme we are able to Kind of um, put our fingers into different pies and try out different roles. Mm-hmm. So let's say it's so currently I'm doing sort of a business change role. Um, I feel like that's not really my forte. I could ask for something that gives me more of a uh, exposure to project management role, so a junior PM role um, for a different client, or it could be the it could be the same client. So it really is up to the grad to. Kind of ship your own development into however you want to mm. so um, usually we stay for around 9 to 12 months within our first role and then we change over or it could be that you're kind of progressing in that role already and you could be um, like promoted to another role hi- higher up um, and stay within that same client so it's really up to us really
0: nice um So, I don't think I've actually asked you, like, what made you want to switch from pharmacy to consulting? And also, how did Atkins kind of help you develop your skills or sharpen your skills to kind of be able to adapt to this new role from where you kind of originally kind of started?
1: Yep. So, with pharmacy, I kind of knew where it would uh, get me to. I... I after a year or two, I became very comfortable. I, I knew already at the back of my hand how to run a retail pharmacy. Mm. It was all um, the same, really. Um, you know, checking things, making sure that um, there's no side effects and things like that. It kind of became second nature to me. Right. And I felt like I wasn't developing as a. Uh, Um, in terms of my Mm. career-wise there was no development you you become a pharmacy manager and then that's sort of it it's Mm. very stagnant afterwards and that's why I moved over to um, the hospital industry as well right I I didn't dabble into NHS because um, I had done a few work experiences there and I felt like there was just a lot of um, hierarchy there Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't really enjoy it so I I went towards um, private healthcare instead, right? To kind of polish up my clinical knowledge as well, because um, what I kind of um, encountered in the community is always the same, mm-hmm. same sort of interaction, same sort of um, drugs that come out. So, with my experience in hospital, I was able to amplify my clinical knowledge a bit more, and I started kind, uh, and I started to. Have my own team as well uh, because my manager actually went on maternity leave. Right. And I was managing um, two or three different people, um, as well as a few of the locums that would come around. And I started looking at more of the business side of the hospital. Mm-hmm. So, kind of how do we make sure that we have enough patients coming in and we've got enough revenue because it was a private hospital and um, it still was in its infancy of only three years. Mm hmm. That had been lifted off. Um, looking into procurement, looking into strategization, um, and it, it exposed me to all these different aspects because I was able to attend the meetings with the head of all of the different departments: so head of operations, head of physio, um, the hospital director herself. So they they kind of opened up all these different aspects of the business that I didn't actually think about. Yeah. And um, it really, really interested me because I wanted to, you know, sharpen my knowledge um, and improve my skills as well, because I felt like it was very limited Mm -hmm. because of the industry that I'm in and because I'd kind of known it um, since finishing uni. Yeah. So... um, I looked around whether a career change was even possible to begin with and I thought, no way, I, I'm definitely boxed up all my life. I don't think anybody would want to take take me on to do different job roles uh, because I'm, I feel like I'm kind of stuck uh, with what I have already. Mm-hmm. I used to even go on Google to check, is there any finances that did career changes? And there was literally none. Oh, really? <laughs> I would, yeah, look for vlogs and stuff. But there was nothing out there. Uh, okay never mind maybe it's not possible right Um, but then um I heard I did hear of consultancy work um and and I know one of our friends is also did um consultancy work and that just sort of piqued my interest because it looked like something that would help develop different skill sets Mm -hmm. um so I sort of looking into all the different grad schemes out there because that was the only way that I could enter this world mm-hmm. is through um, starting out from the bottom and helping that development aspect of it as well. So I started looking at all the different grad schemes out there um, from all the different firms and just, yeah, was applying to all these different um
0: basically yeah wow I love how the fact that you know you were able to explore the business side when you were a pharmacist you know and that exposed you to a whole new world that you kind of that piqued your interest and I I think it's so funny that um you thought you know you were kind of boxed into like this field of pharmacy for the rest of your life because I feel like just generally when people study something they feel like oh man I if they feel like they can't change it for some reason. I feel like they are. They almost feel like they have to carry on with it. But with your case and, you know, most of us, like from the people I've spoken to, that's not the case, right? There is a whole lot of opportunities out there, like throughout your um career that you can change and evolve into some, you know, into a different industry. And uh, like, it's not a case of you do one thing and that's it. And 100%. Definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, and it clearly shows because Atkins accepted me, um, even though I had no experience in business or management for that matter of fact. Mm. So, everybody that does graduate from university um, and any experience that they do gain, those experiences and those skill sets are always transferable to wherever you go next to in your career opportunity. And I think people need to understand, you know, or, any employer is looking at you know all of the skills that you already have I'm Mm. pretty
0: sure that you can adapt that to your other role yeah I agree with that um and also I just wanted to touch on the fact that you know were you scared of kind of switching because you as a pharmacist you're like you said you're already at that stable point but you know having to relearn everything into a new industry and also did you get the support like from your family and friends and did that help you at all yeah,
1: so um, to be honest, I really didn't think I was going to get a job offer from any of the companies that i applied for. I felt like um, when people do apply for these roles, they kind of give their 110%, and I, I was working at the same time, so I feel like my applications weren't as sharp as I wanted to be, so um, when, when I did get the offer, yeah, I was very very nervous i wasn't even sure if i should take on um that role because i am already comfortable in the current role well the prior role that i had um you know in in terms of everything as well salary i it would have to decrease because i'm starting from a graduate role Mm. um so there was that financial aspect that i had to think about as well and secondly i didn't know anyone else um within pharmacy that had gone into consultancy. So I couldn't really refer to anyone or talk to anyone about it and kind of figure out what their experience was. Everyone that I talked to that I knew was a pharmacist um, kind of progressed on in that field of medicine. Mm. So that was very, very nerve-wracking. And um, when I sp- spoke to my parents as well, I don't think they kind of, they understood why I wanted to go out there because mm-hmm. i worked four years really, really hard get the degree that i have and um, be comfortable in that job that i did have Um, they didn't really understand my need to progress personally um uh, and in terms of you know uh, my itch to be a bit more ambitious Mm. Um, and i think the only person that really did understand me was my sister because she is um, a data analyst and she's kind of in that business sector as well and she she knew, um, you know, all of the possibilities that is out there yeah. um, in consultancy because she works with a lot of them. So I think she was the only person that really understood me who I could really lean towards mm. um, and be my moral support. But I think at the end of the day, it was my own self that I had to trust myself and make yeah. a decision and be like, you know what, you're only going to grow if you are outside your comfort zone. I used to have that on my Mac as all well, right. and that was a background. You only grow if you're you your comfort zone. Nice. You have to live up to it and just do it. Uh huh. Like so, yeah, I, I just push myself mentally to do it and, yeah, I guess it all Yeah, right?
0: that's so true because ultimately it's your life, right? You're living for yourself and you have to be happy with what you're doing. um And, yeah, at the end of the day, it's you who's living that life and that's interesting because um, there's others I've spoken to as well and um, she also, you know, switched and started a graduate role and her parents had like a very um, similar attitude in the sense that they were quite confused as to why you would leave something so stable to um, kind of go into a career from the scratch but ultimately just like you, she kind of wanted to grow and Um, explore a whole new world um, where she knew she would enjoy more so yeah I think that's like a very brave move on your part so and like I think that is probably the message that uh, most listeners would probably like appreciate as well. Um. So, following that, what advice would you give to people, say, who um are in a consultancy role or are looking to move to a consultancy role? And what qualities do you think is important to be a consultant?
1: Um. In terms of advice if for anyone who does want to go into the field of consultancy. It's a role where you have to be very, very adaptable. You could be working with one client for a few months and then switching over completely to another client. So having that skill to be able to learn really quickly, grasp things um, on a much more fast-paced basis is really important. Um, And also to be able to be, I guess, well-versed in how you put yourself across you know you are going to be representing um your company outwardly to other people so um just being confident in yourself as well Mm -hmm. and there there's just so many different opportunities out there as well so as long as you have looked into what consultancy is about and you feel that that is something that attracts you um I think just go for it Mm -hmm. Um, definitely reach out to people who are already in that field um, go into um, I think they do have some talks webinars as well on those things so do reach out and of course reach out to me if anybody is interested more than happy to help out as well
0: yeah nice I think that's really nice that you know you're willing to kind of be um, willing to help others who are looking to kind of switch to that role um and kind of to close off with I just wanted to ask you obviously we mentioned the fact that um women in general we don't see a lot of them on the you know board level at the executive level and that's you know predominantly to do with the fact that we have this whole glass um ceiling to deal with but being a woman and on top of that, an Asian woman—that's a whole unique set of challenges in itself. And you know, we have what this term, known as the bamboo ceiling, um, which, according to a senior writer at Fortune magazine, refers to the process. It uh, refers to it as the process and barriers that serve to exclude Asians from executive positions on the basis of subjective factors such as lack of leadership potential and lack of communication skills. And it's actually, you know, not even. Um, it's not actually even explained by job performance of qual- or qualifications so do you feel like you um as an Asian woman have to you know push even harder like to your other white male counterparts um you know how have you been tackling through that um in your workplace
1: 100% um to that statement yes I do feel I have to work uh 10 times harder than probably uh, my male counterparts or even my um, white colleagues. Um, uh, my company actually do some um, conscious inclusion training so mm. where we try to take away our unconscious uh, biases and try to see through that mm-hmm. and somebody uh, there was a training that mentioned how we have a circle of people that we usually, communicate with within work right so in that most outer circle it's going to be the acquaintances the people that you have small talks with mm-hmm. um, that you don't really uh, talk to that much and then with the inner um the circle within that as well uh, you start to trust the people more and then in the most innermost circle you'll only have five people that you most likely trust mm-hmm. and talk to the most um And within that little circle is the people that will always get that promotion. Mm. And um, the trainer who was speaking on it, he was a white male and he looked at his circle and they were also all white male. Right. They all have, you know, similarities. They all get along um, on a work level and a personal level as well. So that other next person who's going to be promoted on for his senior role is going to be another white male. Mm. And so that training kind of tried to help us um, reach out to the wider uh, employees, you know, people within the business. Don't just seclude yourself to the people that you know, mm. because that's what uh, I think us as humans, we pick up on. And also it's um, what you already know. And, and I think that's why it becomes quite difficult for um women as well as an Asian woman Mm -hmm. to break that barrier because people haven't really seen that, you know, that's not been represented anywhere. So Mm. they'd be taking a big gamble if they were to put an Asian woman in a senior position, let's say, uh, because it hasn't been replicated in a lot of different organizations. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also, I think it it comes down to the imposter syndrome as well. Um, When you don't see that being uh, shown within the organizations you to think am i not capable and i think that mm. that mindset kind of seeps into me thinking if there's not that many asian women in those senior roles um is it because i'm just not capable and that kind of struck strikes to me sometimes as well mm-hmm. um and and it, i think to really get over that and to jump past that we have to remember that We were chosen to do this job for a purpose, we've Mm. got the skill sets, you know, if you really compare yourself to um, your white male counterpart, there is absolutely no difference in our work ethic in Mm -hmm. um, what we do, so we have to really remember that we deserve to be here and, Mm -hmm. you know, we can progress just as well as the next person.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love how um, you have this mindset of, you know, not allowing that negative thoughts to kind of block you from achieving what you know is possible. And like you said, you're more than capable um, to do a work just as much as your male counterpart is. And yeah, I think that's such a nice message to kind of end on. So thank you so much for that, Ramona.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Raja.
0: It's been great talking to you. And again, for the listeners, um, Ramona did co found Hammer Insight, which is another great platform. It's an online podcast, would you say? Yep,
1: yep, podcast and visual as well on YouTube. Yep.
0: So, and you know, there's a lot of different conversations that they have on there. So do check that out. And I'll leave a link in the description as well. Again, thank you so much, Ramona. And it's been great talking to you today. Thank you. Bye.